1: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
2: I'm Gary Seegers. Catch me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And I'm Chris Giannini. Follow me at Chris B. Giannini. And this is the Winning Cures Everything podcast from WinningCuresEverything.com. Before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and review it. We cannot stress how important those reviews are for iTunes rankings, so help us out.
1: Those of us who love this sport live for nights like this.
0: You are looking live at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Can you believe it? It's football.
1: I've been watching it for 40 years. 40 (laughs) 40 years. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. This
2: is Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Hello, hello, welcome in. Winning Cures Everything, number 187. It is the Wednesday, January 17th edition of the show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. On tonight's show, we have got so much stuff going on. We've got Dr. David Ridpath coming in. We're going to talk about academic integrity. We're going to talk about uh, the college football playoff revenue system. All sorts of different stuff with him we will get into. Um, we are going to talk about the possibility of Hugh Freeze joining the staff at Alabama. We are going to talk uh, the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about Tubby Smith. We're going to I mean, we're going to talk all sorts of stuff. Just all different kinds of everything. Uh, and I am looking forward to it. I'll be completely honest with you. So, uh, let's go ahead and jump into this. First off, Chris, you're going to Vegas this weekend, right? I am. Tell me how that came about. We're going to talk more about it later, but I I want to know how this
1: happened. Uh, Sitting at the house, um, iced in, snowed in, bored. And uh, the wife found from an airline uh, really cheap tickets and said, hey, would you be interested in getting a friend to go? And I said, well, I'm, I'm always interested to go. Originally thought about going after the Super Bowl. Would love to one day go during the Super Bowl. And, uh, and, and experience that in Vegas. But with both of my children having birthdays around that time, probably not going to happen until they are substantially older. And so, um, I was thinking afterwards, and then you kind of put the bug in my ear that, hey, it'd probably be better. Wouldn't it be The weekend before. The weekend before, because you get two games, not just the Super Bowl, but you get both games. If we go this weekend, you know your pats are in it because they're already in it.
2: Well, and on top of that, you've also got, um, You've got a place to sit, right? During the Super Bowl out there, it's yes. bananas. Conference championship games, maybe not so much. Oh, no, it's not.
1: Yeah, I mean, you the hotel room is crazy cheap. Yeah. And uh, and the airfare was, was really cheap. Um, and so it was, it was super last minute. Got a buddy of mine that is available and uh, has the income to go. And he said, let's go. I like it. The wife's suggestion. How great is that?
2: I like that. I, I like your wife a lot. You know that <laughs> a Me, whole bunch. I like her too. Let's uh, let's go ahead and bring in Dr. David Ridpath. Da-da-da. We're going to call him up on the Skype line. Da-da-da. Let's see.
0: This is Dave.
2: Hey, Dave, it's Gary and Chris from Winning Cures Everything. How are you?
0: Good. How are you doing, Gary?
2: Oh, cannot complain. I apologize for getting to you a little later than we anticipated. Uh, Let me go on and intro you in here. Uh, We've got Dr. David Ridpath here with us. He's an associate professor of sport management at Ohio University, the president of the Drake Group, uh, which was put together to help end academic corruption in college sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Ridpath, -Ridpath. D-R-Ridpath. Dr. Ridpath, first off, we really appreciate you taking the time to come and join the show with us tonight.
0: Uh, yeah, Gary, Chris, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Now, I I invited you
2: on to discuss the College Football Playoff revenue sharing system and whatnot. But uh, before we jump into that, since this is your first time on, and and we have not had an opportunity to talk to you about this, um I, I want to talk to you about the uh, the most recent ho- uh, high profile NCAA cases. Like, I wanted to hear your opinion on these, along with a couple other topics. the The North Carolina athletics program was able to escape NCAA punishment. Due to the fact that all students, and, and not just athletes, could take a questionable course. And then down here, uh, we're based in Memphis, we're really close to Ole Miss. Ole Miss had several athletic programs punished due in part to, uh, to fraudulent ACT scores that enable students to enroll that were not academically eligible. How big of a topic were these within the Drake group, and looking specifically at the Ole Miss situation, the university believes that because of the personal offenders that that aided in faking the ACT scores, since they have already been punished, they believe the football program itself should not endure any penalties. Like, what are what are your thoughts on these two cases?
0: Well, several. I mean, you know, first off, I, I think you know there are many inconsistencies and and variabilities with regards to uh, NCAA. Uh, infractions and, and certainly in the infor- in the enforcement process. I've been through it myself, worked in college athletics and, and have seen it up close and personal and have also done some research uh, uh, on this process. So I, I think first uh, you have to understand that it's not a fair process and it certainly isn't one that follows any type of judicial measures that you may see in our own judicial system. Um, specifically speaking to uh, Ole Miss in North Carolina and, and talking about North Carolina first, I was quite vocal that under current NCAA rules, the way that I believe they're interpreted and in keeping with how other schools have been punished, that North Carolina absolutely uh, should have been punished. I don't believe that what happened at North Carolina went on for almost 20 years would not have happened to the extent it did, but for the benefit to athletics and athletics eligibility. Now, getting to Old mix, obviously, we know these things go on, and we know that there are people trying to do fraudulent SAT scores. You say you're in Memphis. We can go back to Derrick Rose. Oh, yeah. I mean, these things are going on at many, many schools, and I think we have to look at a larger issue, and this is what we talk about in the Drake Group. We have to decide what we want to be with regards to college athletics. Do we want it to be an educational extracurricular activity, or do we want it to be about elite development, winning, and revenue generation? It's very difficult, if not impossible, to do both. So that's really what we have to look at. So our, our approach in the Drake Group is, if we have a system where we want education to be first, then there's a way to do that. And certainly, you can go to our website at www.thedrakegroup.org and see our plan. And we certainly have a plan that I believe that people often say is what they want college athletics to be about, but saying it and doing it are are two different things. And we have to make a decision. We either have to do college athletics as they are supposed to be, or let's just call it what it is and pay the players. Let's, let's just have a, have a free for all because at the end of the day, uh, Gary, I tell you, I believe that we'll watch under any circumstance. We really don't care as fans. So for me, and for us in the great group, we just don't want to have a facade. There's a way to do it right. There's a way to change the college athletic system for the better. We just have to want to do it. And I'm not convinced that we actually want to do it. And I say we, I mean everybody, the fans, presidents, students, administrators, whoever it may be. And if that's the case, then let's not lie about it anymore. And let's not have situations like North Carolina and make an excuse and say, well gee whiz, since other students had that same access, we're going to go ahead and say that it really wasn't a violation of NCAA rules. But yet another school where somebody might have a half page paper written for them gets the book thrown at them. And uh, so I think that um, there's a lot of things that we can do to write the system. Uh, Our main mantra in the Drake Group is as long as we're not doing what we're doing now, because the system as it flows now doesn't work. Completely agree. Dr. Jake, um, sorry, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr.
1: R- um, Ripeth, this is Chris. I want to thank you for coming on. Got a question about the Drake Group. Does the Drake Group work more with the NCAA or more with accrediting bodies or to oversee the schools, or do they work with the individual schools themselves, all
0: three? How do you actually function? Well, it's pretty interesting because, to be honest with you, Chris, we really don't work with anyone we're independent and many of those groups that you've mentioned specifically the ncaa is either very afraid or very reticent to work with us because we are an outside group that essentially call it what it is we're not trying to say that you know if something happens at north carolina we don't sugarcoat it and say well gee whiz you know because other students got it it's actually okay when we really know what's going on and and honestly It's a system that's set up to exploit, let's face it, African-American athletes to generate revenue um, off them. And oftentimes we use the excuse of saying, well, you know, these sports support other sports. And at many schools, that's not even true. uh, But we try to use that as an excuse. So really, a lot of those bodies don't want to work with us where we really do work with people, Chris, as individuals, people like Mary Willingham uh from north carolina who was the whistleblower of the north carolina uh, uh case and without mary willingham's efforts
1: we
2: lost him totally <laughs> i was about to say is he gonna come back
1: no that's i think skype totally died on us
2: no skype's fine dr ripath you still hear us nope no. his called uh he's yeah. i think he's on his cell phone He's on a cell phone, so I think his call dropped out. Give us one second, guys. Did it, uh, we will get him back. There we go. I'm not sure what happened there. I, I'm willing to bet his cell phone dropped out. It could have happened.
0: Yeah, somehow I lost you guys. <laughs> yeah, we
1: we lost you. You were right in the middle of telling us
0: about how you Mary were. Willingham. Yeah, Mary yeah. Willingham. Yeah, with Mary Willingham, and I apologize that uh, somehow we got disconnected. No, but, no worries. But yeah, yeah. But people like Mary Willingham; those are the those are the ones that we're helping, and even down in, in your area uh, from many years ago, Linda Benzel Myers at the University of Tennessee; those are the people that we're mainly working with. I can tell you that most schools, most accrediting bodies, and certainly the NCAA, um, you know they really don't want change. They're either afraid or you have people where the system works very well for them. I mean, if you're John Calipari, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, you know, why would you want to change? The system works very well for you um, when you're making millions of dollars. And then it's very easy to kind of sell this facade of what, what college athletics is about and say things like, you know, it's about education, all these other things, and you play on people's I would say, kind of worse stereotypes and thinking how expensive a college education is, and this is such a great gift, when in reality, that's not what's going on. And so we in the Drake Group tell that story, and most people don't want to hear that.
2: Now, this all kind of plays into the main reason I brought you on, which was to discuss an article that was uh, published by Forbes exactly one year ago today, January 17, 2017, entitled The College Football Playoff and Other NCAA Revenues Are an Exposé of Selfish Interest. Now, you bring up early in the article that the Football Bowl subdivision is the only collegiate championship not owned by the NCAA. Uh, It is instead owned and controlled by the 10 FBS conferences and Notre Dame. The monetary value of that playoff is over $600 million a year, and 75% of that goes to Power 5 conferences along with Notre Dame, while 25% of it goes to the Group of Five conferences, and a little over $2 million is distributed to some FCS conferences. Now, the first question on this, when this television contract is finished in 2025, will we reach a point where the smaller schools have fallen so far behind the Power Five that we're eventually going to have to split the FBS into two separate divisions? Basically like we have now with the FCS Division Two and Division Three?
0: Yeah, I mean, I certainly believe that. And, and and honestly, I know a lot of people say things like, you know, oh, my gosh, if we pay college athletes. The, the haves and have-nots will be so far apart. I mean, let's face it. They're already they so are far, far apart. apart. Yeah, they're <laughs> far apart right now. And I just use the example of of being here. I, I'm at a Division One, theoretically, FPS football playing school. I love Ohio University. We have great kids here. You know, I go to I go to all the games. I, I support them. Um, I support the kids, even though I do have issues with the way college athletics is being run. But if you go 70 miles from where I'm standing today, you're standing on the campus of the Ohio State University. And it is not even close. And it will never be close. In fact, I could give $100 million today to Ohio University, and they will still not catch Ohio State. If uh, And if I just said this is for athletics, it could not catch Ohio State. You know, Memphis, you know, as good as you guys have been at at University of Memphis and many things, and certainly in basketball, you have a better chance. But there's a big difference between Memphis and uh, Tennessee and Alabama and schools that are in that area. And so that gap's not going to be closed. And you're right, it's only going to get worse. And that's really where the problem is in many ways. Of course, there's many problems, but a main problem, as I see it, is the mid-majors trying to be something that they're not and that they never will be? And spending money and doing things that really does nothing to enhance their brand, improve their institution, I say, why why belong if you're an Ohio University or a Memphis? And Memphis certainly has, I would say, an outside chance of getting in the Power Five. But if you're an Ohio University, let's use my school, why would you want to be playing football in a division where you have absolutely no chance under any circumstance to play for a championship. I can tell you that if we went to another division or went to FCS and actually had a chance to play for a championship, it would actually be a better thing for campus would be more exciting. It wouldn't change anything. In fact, honestly, many people out there don't even realize we're division one. Um, So why not play at a level you can compete at and actually play for a championship. So uh, I think that what you're saying, uh, Chris, is exactly, and Gary, that is exactly what will happen. Uh, I think the Gulf is going to get bigger, but it's not one that's ever going to close. It's only going to get bigger.
2: Now, I I do want to play devil's advocate on this. Uh, You bring up, you know, why compete. It's something that, uh, you know, you're not going to be able to compete for a national championship, et cetera. I'll bring up two instances and just see what your opinion is on it. Um, FAU, where Lane Kiffin went last year Since he went to campus Their enrollment has gone up over 35% Out-of-state enrollment Has gone up over 35% to that school Here at the University of Memphis Ever since they had their first winning season in a decade Back in uh, 2014, I believe uh, Enrollment has gone up over 25% Is that what these I would imagine that's what they're trying to do here, right? Um, So what, you know, if the school is trying to use athletics as kind of the front porch, would they be able to do that at the FCS level?
0: Um, I, you know, certainly a couple things we have to look at. There's been a lot of research out there, even research that I've done that, you know, you brought up a couple examples, and again, I'd have to see the data to see, you know, is football a major driver in that, and it very well may be so at fau and and, and at memphis and, and it may be even proven to say look you know this was really we, we surveyed oh man but i can tell you for every school that's had that bump there are numerous schools out there that have had the same type of success and enrollment's gone down uh, from a personal experience when i was at marshall uh, going back it's been about 20 years ago but when marshall was really having that run in football oh, with, randy where, Chad, uh, yeah, Hint- with randy moss and ted yeah with randy yeah, Chad, Pennington, you know, yeah, and so, and our our enrollment went down, there's just a lot of variability to play. Were there other things that the campus was doing? Well, that becomes primarily what you see, and research will tell you this, this happened at Boise State, this happened at Boston College after the Doug Flutie pass, uh, you might see an initial surge in enrollment and some other intangibles. But typically, it flatlines after a year or two. And so I think the biggest thing in those situations is, is there going to be a sustained enrollment? The reason why I bring that up is what usually happens if a school gets those benefits that you speak of, the enrollment, marketing, donations, and fundraising, the problem is, is we don't harness that. We just spend more money, and those benefits go into the arms race, and we really get no net gain, and then we flatline after that. I would say that, you know, Ohio University has gotten, um, you know, some bumps from success in basketball that we've had over the years. But we did have a couple years after we went to recent NCAA tournaments where enrollment went down. It's a crapshoot, really. Uh, It's examples like that, though, that college presidents and athletic directors look at and often cite. But look at those trends more over five years, uh, eight years or 10 years. And then what you usually find is it's not that big of a net benefit.
1: I would completely agree with that, From the especially from the FAU thing. Lane Kipton is a kind of a star, and he's an enigma, and people are intrigued by him, and people are showing up to watch him today, and they're going to show up tomorrow, but you're exactly right. In three years, people aren't going to be traveling to, to,
2: down to Florida to see him if he's still there. Now, it, on to onto a different question that has to do with the same thing. It seems to me that at some point, with the amount of money that the larger universities are bringing in, thanks to TV contracts, uh, the college football playoff, apparel, et cetera, at, there will be a way to pay athletes something, at least at the Power Five level. Uh, I don't know that they could do it at FAU and Memphis, et cetera; those two examples, or at Ohio. Um, but at what point does the government step in and amend laws that have allowed them to uh, that have allowed them to keep tax exempt status for so long?
0: Yeah, I think it's uh you know it's coming. I think you've already seen it in this recent tax bill. There's some some chinks in the armor that with the uh you know the seat do- the seat donations and some of the other donations you don't get the uh the 80% tax deduction anymore and and I can tell you that that schools were fighting that. Uh, As much as they could, and I'm surprised that it was this administration that actually did that. And even uh, there was even portions of the bill that wanted to get get rid of stadium subsidies and tax breaks, which is you know certainly kind of outside the scope of what we're talking about. But I do think that it's going to happen. I think the big, the biggest uh, kind of Achilles' heel for the NCAA and college sports, big time college sports, is that we're trying to justify the non-payment and the amateurism aspect on the fact that they are students. And saying that these students, um, if they're not if they're not actual college students, we won't be interested in watching anymore. And but we treat them as employees. We say one thing, we do another. And but we treat them as employees and doing things like restricting transferring, not letting them earn money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, you know, outside of uh, like any other student outside of uh, of college. Those types of things, just you know, two examples, are really what college athletics is going to kind of fall on their sword. And I think ultimately the courts, the government, public pressure is going to change this. And I keep coming back to, honestly, and I have no scientific data to back this up, but I do speak all around the country and talk about these issues. And I look people in the eye who are diehard Ohio State fans, USC, Alabama, whomever, and I say, just be honest to me, with me are you not going to watch the college football playoff if I told you that every one of those were getting a salary? And I want people to be honest with me, and I can tell you 99%, whether it's reluctant or not, say, you know what, I really wouldn't care. We said that with the Olympics. We've said that that even with the stipend that athletes get now, that that somehow would change the paradigm and people wouldn't be interested. I really don't buy it. I tend to think we're going to watch no matter what. But again, it comes back to my initial thing. Do we want it to be about education or do we want it to be want it to be about elite development, winning and revenue generation and and it's not inherently wrong to do that, just don't lie about it.
2: Well, Chris and I both agree and it's people that understand the sport. We understand that a lot of these guys are getting paid under the table anyway. Yeah.
1: And and I have my world has been opened up recently from some connections that I've made that it's no longer 100 dollar handshakes. I mean, these people if you are a top-tier player five star recruit go to a big big school and you start four years or three years you're gonna leave that school in the upper hundred thousand dollar area six seven eight hundred thousand dollars of non taxable income that you received under the table I don't know that the players are pushing for for getting paid because i I think they're getting a lot of money now and i know I know some well, of this for a fact
0: yeah there's a lot and believe me i I've been there worked in the business. <laughs> Uh, coach, I I totally have seen it, seen it myself. And that's what I tell people when, when I do get those ones out there who say, Oh my God, it would ruin college athletics. If we, if we pay athletes or let them profit, you know, off off their commercial likeness and those types of things But I just laugh. And I say, my question is, I always say, as opposed to what, I go, if you're really outraged by the, if you're really outraged by those things, you wouldn't watch college athletics. Now the fact is we would rather just not hear about it. That's it. Right. But these things are going on and and my thing is you bring these things out of the shadows whether it's gambling anything you bring these out of the shadows and put sunshine on it then it's easier to regulate right now there's a unrestricted black market like you said like you said chris and uh, it's going to keep going on and growing why not just again just pay the athletes and then that lessens the incentive it's not perfect but it is the most fair thing to do unless we actually do treat them as students. And I've always said this, if we really went to an educational model, and I I guess I do want to make a little bit of a plug because I have a book coming out called Alternative Models of Sports Development. Uh, You can go to Amazon right now and pre-order it. And this is one thing I talk about is if we actually do return to an educational model where education is the focus, there's certainly going to be coaches and athletes that don't want to exist in that system under those restrictions. And my response to that is that's fine. Other systems will manifest themselves. And I really do advocate a European style type club sports system in sports where people have that option to say, you know what, I don't want to be under these educational restrictions. I want to go play, I want to make money, I want to compete at a high level. And that's what you can do in Europe, you have those options. We're the only country in the world that does this. And I'm convinced, and i uh, like to hear your two on this that if we had a system like that and if Alabama and Auburn are still playing or you know Memphis and Tennessee are playing we're still going to watch because there's going to still be some pretty good athletes that are going to play for these college teams under whatever scenario we really don't care we're essentially cheering for laundry right we want to see those teams (laughs) we want to see those teams play I've always put it down with, with my classes I say let's face it if I took half the room and put you in a Michigan uniform in half the room in Ohio State, and we were the best athletes on those campuses. We're not. That's not going to happen. But if it was, 100,000 people are showing up to watch. And I think, you know, we we put these things in these little boxes of saying that we have to have these elite athletes. We can't let them do these things because we're afraid it's going to somehow destroy this ideal when at the end of the day we're probably going to watch under any scenario. And I say let's give athletes other options. You know, I'm always intrigued by – uh, you know, Tom Brady's agent is is potentially starting this minor league, minor league football yes, uh, in in California. The G League is now offering bigger salaries. You know, so then we can say to athletes, "Hey, this is the way it's going to be in college. If you don't want to do this, guess what? You've got seven or eight other things you can do. You know, and that's great. Go and maximize your athletic utility when it's at its height. And we can still have college sports like supposedly people want. But if we want it to be like it's really." Like it really is, that's okay too. But let's just be honest about it. Let's not have any academic tie into it, so we don't have things like Ole Miss and North Carolina and all the other things we have
2: talked about. Now let's let's jump into something you brought up transfer rules and whatnot just a little bit ago. Uh, there was a report by ESPN's Matt Schick earlier today. Uh, Quoting from his Twitter, which is at ESPN underscore Schick, uh, I spoke with an NCAA official this week who was 95% certain transfers will soon be allowed to play immediately in basketball and football. Could be a one-time freebie plus grad transfer option. So, in theory, a student-athlete could play for three different schools without sitting out. It it seems like this has been a long time coming. I've got my doubts on whether or not it'll be a good idea, Do you foresee any issues with this, whether from an endless recruiting cycle or from a future pay-for-play standpoint, if the NCAA ever reaches that point?
0: Well, I think what it comes down to is, you know, maybe it's not a good idea. I personally, again, don't think um, that any gloom and doom from it is, is going to be something that will happen. I mean, if an athlete is treated well and likes the school that they're at, they likely will stay. But if an athlete has a chance to improve themselves or get to a better situation, and if coaches are able to job hop, then why shouldn't the athlete? Because at the end of the day, we let other students do that. Now, if we don't want athletes to be able to transfer multiple times, then we need to make them employees. Then we would actually have control over that, right? They'd have have contractual obligations and those. Yeah, that's the one way to cure that. But I do think that, as I've always said, what we advocate in the group is we actually have not come out and said that every athlete should transfer anytime they want to. What we have said is that every athlete on every team should have what most every sport has, and that is a one-time transfer exception. That means that you can transfer at one time with no restrictions. The problem is even sports that have a one-time transfer exception now have coaches and what it could be baseball could be volleyball whatever who didn't have a right of refusal to say which which school you can go to uh you can't go to schools we're playing on schedule uh the next few years those are things that are wrong we're saying give the athlete a one-time transfer no questions asked no restrictions and that means if somebody from memphis wants to go to Ole miss somebody from michigan wants to go to ohio state that's the way it is. They should have that freedom. And then any secondary transfer would be based upon academics. We also say that any graduate transfer should be absolutely no restrictions at all, especially if that kid has graduated and fulfilled their obligation to you. If that, if that kid has an opportunity to go to grad school, whether it's for an athletic or academic reason, they should not be restricted in any way. And those are the real problems with it. And I think if we did something like that, it would be a much better, much more palatable solution. But most coaches, they want that control. And then my response is, if you want control, then make them employees and pay them. It's, a, it's really that simple. I completely agree. So I've been beating this drum
1: for years. And my, my problem is not just the blocking of kids wanting to go to certain schools, which I have a huge problem with that it's these coaches that will get on their high horses. I'm I'm going to kick a man that Gary loves because I like to push <laughs> around on Nick Saban when he's not here. Um, is he will go to the podium and he will bash kids and he will call them quitters and things of that nature. But he'll also be the first guy out there recruiting some other transfer from another school to get them to come to his school. And if you're going to, you're a grown man with a $100 million contract and you're going to call a kid a quitter because he thought he was going to get playing time or whatever the reason is that he wants to transfer. He just doesn't like you. He realizes you're the biggest jerk on the planet, whatever. He doesn't want to play for you anymore, and he wants to leave. He should have that right to do so. And for you to be able to go up and, and, and bash him publicly, I have a strong problem with. But then you can also block 40 schools that he can go to.
0: Yeah, no, it's really, it's really ridiculous. I think that there's a very good happy medium that we can go to. But again if the NCAA and coaches keep resisting coaches like Saban, it will end up being an absolute free for all. Now again, I I don't think it's going to be that huge of a deal. It, it may be some things that we don't like and you may see a kid play for four different schools. I actually didn't like it when I was growing up when I loved the NFL when the teams were the same team for 12, 15 years. You know, I'd never <laughs> liked it when 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 people were switching teams every other year. Now it's happening and we've kind of evolved. Uh, but I do think that there's a way to do this. And certainly one of the first things we can do is not have a situation where somebody like Nick Saban on one hand can restrict a student. Then on the other hand, promise a scholarship to a kid, sit in his home, say, I'm going to take care of you for four or five years. And then they find a prettier girl to take to the dance a year later. And all of a sudden say, I'm going to pull your scholarship. Yeah, they so process them out. yeah. Yeah. So Nick Saban could say, you know what, Jalen Hurts, really like you. You were really great for us. But guess what? We don't need you anymore. And coaches do that all the time. So now again, you stop doing things like that. Give the kid a one, a one-time transfer, give the kid the ability to get out of a national letter of intent. If the coach leaves, there are things that we can do and certainly not restrict graduate transfers. That to me is a very common sense thing. And obviously never giving coaches the control to restrict an athlete to go anywhere that they want to go. Bingo.
2: Now to close out, I'm a father. My daughter is heavily involved in gymnastics. I'm not going to go crazy and believe she'll ever be an Olympian or anything like that, but there is the possibility of her one day receiving an athletic scholarship uh, thanks to this sport. I noticed you tweeting several things about serial sex abuser Larry Nassar sentencing and the numerous stories of sexual abuse inside USA Gymnastics, etc., and while he was at Michigan State uh, University. Now, there are numerous stories about Michigan State, despite repeated warning signs enabling Nassar, And it makes me curious what you believe the role of a university should be in a situation like this, whether there should be any punishment for the school or the individuals that allowed something like this to go on.
0: Well, I certainly think, let me kind of backtrack to even what happened this morning in in one of my classes. Um, And this probably won't surprise you, too. I asked, even today, this is very big news, we, we know about it, but I asked college students today, I said, hey, how many of you remember the Jerry Sandusky-Penn State thing that happened five years ago? Everybody in the class raised their hand, 40 students. And I said, how many of you are aware of what's going on with Larry Nasser, Michigan State University, and USA Gymnastics right now? And probably only a third of the class raised their hand. Now, to me, that's really where the disturbing part is, is number one, this is every bit as despicable as the Sandusky situation. Yes, oh, okay. And you have, a, you have a situation that blew up so big because it was Joe Paterno, it was football, it was Penn State, then you had the NCAA trying to score public relations points piling on that, of course, backfired on them. Um, it's a criminal situation that should be handled by criminal authorities. I believe that there were people, based upon what I know, I'm not an expert on this, I don't know this case as well as I knew the Penn State case, but it does appear that people at Michigan State certainly had reasonable suspicions, and certainly at USA Gymnastics, that this was going on. And whether it was protection or enabling, whatever it may be, a lot of people dropped the ball, including the president of Michigan State University. And this is what infuriates me, President Luana Kay Simon at Michigan State was one of the presidents leading the charge against Penn State, wanting them to get the death penalty. President Simon was on the NCAA Executive Committee and was one of those people in Mark Emmert's saying, we've got to do something against, against Penn State, yet she doesn't even have her own house in order. And yet today she's giving out statements saying, well, we had no idea this was going on. Well, that's what people at Penn State said, right? But yet that wasn't accepted. And I do believe there needs to be a criminal investigation. I do think heads need to roll at, Penn State, uh, excuse me, at Michigan State. And I think it's pretty despicable. As hard as people went after Penn State, whether it's the media, um, anyone, the NCAA, you're not hearing anything, anything like that with regards to uh, Larry Nasser, Michigan State, and USA Gymnastics. And I just think that's a tragedy.
2: I agree. I agree. Dr. Ridpath, I appreciate you being here. Uh, he's an associate professor of sport management at Ohio University. He's the president of the Drake Group. You can follow him on Twitter at Dr. Ridpath, D-R-Ridpath. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We appreciate your time.
0: I really appreciate it. Uh, call me any time. And sorry we got cut off there, but I really enjoyed it. Thank oh, you. No, Absolutely. Hey, when
1: the book comes out,
0: come back. Plug your book one more time. What is it? It is the, it's called Al- alternative models of sport development, uh, solutions to prevent an educational and public health crisis. Uh, it is available for pre-order right now on Amazon and I available to come back and talk about it anytime.
1: When, uh, when are you expecting it to actually get released? Do you
0: know that? The actual book should be released by the end of the month. Okay. Oh, so, wonderful, soon, wonderful.
1: Quick. All right. Yeah. We'll have you on talk about the book. Once it comes out, we get a chance to, uh, look it over. I'm very intrigued Absolutely. in the European model of doing things sports-wise. I follow soccer close m- closer than most people around here, and uh, and and I, I actually think that all the professional levels should just spend their billions of dollars on
0: minor league systems. Yeah, I, there are a lot of things that are done right uh, with with re- with regards to development and uh, youth sports and things that we have gotten backwards in America, and I do think it would be. You know, no system's perfect, but I can tell you it would be a huge leap forward if we would do something similar that uh, that's being done in Europe.
1: I am I am very afraid, being a Browns fan, of the relegation rule, but uh, <laughs> you know that's that's the price you have to pay if you want things to be a little better
0: sometimes. Understand, understand.
2: Good deal. We, Thank you. We appreciate your time. I will be in touch with you, and we'll get you back on to, uh, to talk about that book.
0: All right. Thanks so much.
2: All right. Take care. Dr. David Ridpath. Sweet. Absolutely. I He is fantastic. So I've heard him on Paul Feinbaum multiple times. I've read his stuff in Forbes and, and everything else. You're already looking up the uh, the book, aren't you? Yeah, I want to see it. I wanna see it. <laughs> Amazon, check it out. Dr. David Ridpath, R-I-D-P-A-T-H. He is absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch there. Uh, go look up some of his articles at Forbes. Uh, I don't believe that he's been writing a whole lot lately, but he's just he's got incredible stories, incredible things to talk about. Um, let's go ahead and jump into into this next uh, topic. I, I first I want to talk to you about Vegas all right okay i want to know what do you want to know i want to know everything that's going on
1: <laughs> you want to know the plan i want to know i want, want to know
2: what uh, yeah i want to know like what's on the docket what sports book you going to okay. uh, to watch the games where are you planning to eat where are you planning to play all right. tell me the whole thing tell me what's up
1: so we got a room package at treasure island so we're staying on the strip treasure island it was super cheap um Great location. You're it's actually right, not a bad place. Oh no, it's amazing. I've stayed there before. It's right across the street from B- the Venetian and Palazzo, so you're in like the high end area, the Mirage and the. The Palazzo. last time I went was
2: at the uh, the Palazzo.
1: Yeah, the the Mirage and the and the and the Bellagio are right there next to you, so you're in an unbelievable location, but you're not paying those prices. Uh, so I like that a lot. And um, when
2: well, you're only going to be there for a few days anyway, my so you're good.
1: Four days. Four days. Yep. My theme for the trip. Kind of glad you asked this because I, I was thinking <laughs> about this last night. My theme for the trip is the road to six. Okay,
2: <laughs> it's, it's the road to number
1: six. So the number six is going to play an intricate role in everything that we do. I haven't figured all of that out. I know that I will have six bets working on the game. Um, don't know on one I, game or on, on all games? of them. Okay, on the game, six all on games. all. Okay, no, you know what? No, probably six bets on the Pats game. I'm not going to. Make six
2: so tomorrow. you you have some props and you'll have oh yeah, all have to get of some of I have to get deal. some props
1: but uh I, I wanna I wanna shake like six strangers hands you know make them wish me good luck <laughs> just just weird stuff are you uh, wearing your patch jersey oh god well I don't have a jersey but I've got a lot of you, you wearing your, you I got your twelve sure,
0: yeah you're probably yeah, wearing your Captain
2: America shirt right
1: I don't know I've got the goat shirt I've got a, it's gonna be cold in Vegas too you know that really the high is like fifty four every day we're gonna be there what the low is like thirty six. So I'm not escaping, it's I'm, gonna I'm escaping be warmer. the freezing weather. Yeah, it'll be warmer here than it will be there. What in yeah. the world? Yeah. I'm, I'm a little, little, you know, it's okay. That's, I can I handle like the it. 50s. I'm a big I like, boy. I can handle the 50s. That's, that's no, Vegas. no, 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 no. Vegas is still going to be beautiful. It's going to be bright, <laughs> sunny every day. There will be no clouds in the sky. Um, we are um. going to, so my date, we're flying in Saturday evening. We're going to catch a show and, and and just do a quick dinner somewhere. No and, idea uh, what show yet. Yeah, no, I know the show. I'm I'm a little I'm a little nervous about putting this out there. Is this like a musical? No, it? no, okay. it's not a musical. Come on now, <laughs> come on, Gary, give me a hard time because I like going to musicals. <laughs>
2: Ain't nothing um, wrong with that, man. It's listen, cool.
1: okay, it's this cool. is this is a little. I'm a little more embarrassed about this than I am musicals. The guy that's going with me happily is is equal to this. We're gonna see four magic shows while we're there. There's nothing I wrong love, with that. I love magic. That's I get they, made fun of for very, very many people in my family and and my friends make fun
2: of me because I like magic. No.
1: I really like magic a lot. Let, let
2: me tell you what what I got made fun of for. Okay. I went to see Carrot Top when I was out there.
1: Okay. The, I love that Carrot Top. It was a top. suggestion. So. Yeah. I love Carrot Top. We're, we were either going to uh, do comedy yeah. or
2: magic. Um,
1: so I, we're, we're both really like magic. So our first night there, we're going to go see David Copperfield. And uh, and and do that. The next day is Sunday, so it's Games a lot earlier. All day. Hang on. So the game starts two o'clock God's time. All right, <laughs> but that's but that's noon their time. So we're not going to be able to just party it up Saturday night. We're going to wake up. There's a place I got a buddy of mine named Randy lives in Vegas. Suggested a place off strip for brunch. Unbelievable brunch. So we're going to wake up Sunday morning. Take an Uber out to go eat brunch. Get a good meal in get all my sixes out of me, get to the Westgate. Westgate's Westgate. where we're going. Okay. They okay. are supposedly have a big theater that, that you can go into. Yeah, the Westgate has is the game. I've absolutely never watched incredible. a game or been in the Westgate sportsbook. Being somebody that loves the Super Contest, I follow it religiously. I know that that's kind of the mecca of sports gambling. Um, so I'm pretty excited to watch. and We're going to spend the whole day at the Westgate. We need a big brunch, do that. And then uh when both the games are over with, I got dinner at a uh one of the prime steakhouses in uh the Bellagio. Okay. Overlooking okay. the fountains. It'll be nice. The got Westgate is
2: is awesome. Um the one over at the Venetian where the CG Technologies mm-hmm. is headquartered, I was there for uh, a college football Saturday, watched uh, some games there, watched games at the Hard Rock. Uh that was nice. MGM was great. Um So I've never yeah. I've never been into MGM, so when we go see David Copperfield, we will. And
1: I've never been there for a sports event. Every time all I'm of gone, these it's sports books are off, insane off off time. I mean, so
2: well you you'll have to go and check out at least a um, you'll have to go check out like an NBA game, just something to see some some action going down um, because it, it's just well, going to be there for, world, for for several days the two biggest games of the week. Yeah, but you're only going to be at one book for those.
1: That's all I need.
2: I'm going to be at the best book. Like, I'm going to be at the best book. I didn't know if you were going to try and make you over to uh, South Point, over on the uh, the old side. Uh, we'll go so. to Old Town. We'll go to Old Town to shoot dice,
1: though. That's that's where I go to shoot dice. I can
2: understand that. Um,
1: we, and we really don't know when we'll end up moseying on over there, but but one evening, probably really late. That's kind of how I like to play it. Um, <laughs> and then And then the rest of the week, it's going to be couple of nice dinners. You go
2: to the tequila place where uh, you and
1: your wife went. So because we're staying at Treasure Island, I will probably find my way to the tequila bar. I was actually looking online (laughs) at their website. They don't, like, you know, like the little, it's just a bar on the wall, back wall of a casino. I don't know if it's still there. Really? Like, I saw a mojito bar online. And I'm like, if they turn my tequila bar into a mojito bar, I'm going to be upset.
2: Now, how anywhere ago, I can go to get tequila. I how long ago was this?
1: Oh, geez, that was before the first child was born. Um, so that's
2: been what, that's been six years that ago. That was six years ago, so almost what?
1: seven. So, but but it was a couple years before that. I mean, it's been probably ten years since my wife and I went. I gracious. bet that tequila bar has gone. I have to. I will find a tequila bar. And the reason being is because I get tequila anywhere, but they had like four hundred different kinds that were unbelievable and the worst part about going to a place like that is all of these names of the tequilas are Spanish and so like I get back and everybody's like well what did you try that was good I was like I have no idea A I'm like five tequila drinks in and, and B like I didn't know the name when he said it No, I just, because
2: he, he told me what to drink yeah, I said alright it's not like, like Jim's
1: tequila I could remember that oh, but God. it's some Spanish name and whatever so
2: come on it's game <laughs> That's right. day, baby. Wake up or get out. That's right. Let's go.
1: That's right. All right but I'm excited. I've never watched a game in a sports book. Being a sports gambler as long as I've been, and being so into the football, and I'm going to get to watch the Pats play. Uh, pretty, pretty excited
2: about it. I'm pretty excited about the fact that you will be skyping in for the show on Monday. Oh, Monday. Monday,
1: I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna still do the show, and, uh, and we can Skype in. And uh, yeah, now, I'm not.
2: Af- I'm not quitting the show after the Super Bowl. We will be moving back to a Sunday night, Wednesday night format so it can be released on Monday morning and on Thursday morning. So that's the keep plan, plan right now. That's the plan. Keep an eye out for that. We'll try it. We'll always at be doing bit. at least two days. But yes. we, we will have two things always evolve. We will have two shows per week. At least. No matter what. Yeah. No matter what. So, so, so anything else you want to know?
1: I'm going to the four shows are we're going to see David Copperfield. We're going to see Penn and Teller, who Penn is Penn Jillette is one of my heroes. Love that guy. I haven't read a lot of books in my life. Uh, I've read uh, Penn's book. Do you listen to his uh, podcast? I do listen to his podcast a lot.
2: Any part of the Corolla Yeah, thing? he's part of
1: the Podcast One family. Okay. Absolutely. That's, hoping to,
2: hoping to I, uh, know. I have not listened to it. I am I was always curious in it, but I never listened to
1: it's it. It's different. It's different, but he'll make you think. I'm interested so in I'm that. A, I'm a fan of his, uh, so we're going to see him. We're going to see Piff the Magic Dragon. Hey, he's a guy that was on America's Got Talent. Oh, okay. uh, And he has teamed up with Penn and Teller on a bunch of stuff. Okay. Uh, So he's close to them. And then there's like an afternoon show that we're going to go to called Max Comedy. Magic or something, my buddy I'm going with has already seen that show, and he said it was really funny, it's crazy cheap, and it's something to kill time in the middle of the day. I can get down with that. So anyway, keep us out of trouble.
2: <laughs> like you'll be able to do that. For like two hours. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk some sports for a little bit. Uh, Hugh Freeze interviewed for a staff position with Nick Saban at Alabama on Monday. Obviously, there's a lot of interest in it because uh, Brian Dable, the team's offensive coordinator, left the school on Monday to become the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. Freeze's interview is said to have been for a staff position. Uh, he will not be the offensive coordinator. It appears that that position has gone to Mike Loxley, who was already the co-OC. Uh, I do, suppose do you think that he was interviewing
1: for the offensive coordinator position? Is this the first time no, ever? No, I Nick, don't believe that. You don't think Nick? this is the first time Nick's ever been told?
2: No? Well, that's what I was going to get into. There's a report from Aaron Suttles at the Tuscaloosa News that Saban is really pushing for his hiring. According to Suttles' story, uh, he, and I quote, Another aspect of this is that should Alabama decide to hire Freeze as an on-the-field coach, it would likely need the blessing of SEC Commissioner uh, Greg Sankey. Now, Sankey isn't keen on that happening, the Tuscaloosa News has learned. That doesn't omit what everybody thought he was going to be anyway, which is an offensive analyst. God almighty. So, basically, he just wants a job. That's what Freeze wants—is just a job. I don't know that the league has ever told Nick Saban, "No, you cannot hire a coach." Nobody's ever told I'm, Nick. i I'm no. surprised that that Lane Kiffin was not blocked initially. No one's ever told Nick, "No." Do you? How do you feel about this? Not not from a Hugh Freeze joining Alabama standpoint, but from uh. Hugh Freeze being blacklisted by the SEC. How do you no, feel about that? It's just the that?
1: nature of the business. I have. There's no question in my mind that if Mike Sly was the coach, he wouldn't have got this interview. You don't think he so? He would have never have got that far. Mike, Sly, Mike is, Sly was the, 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 commissioner. the commissioner. Mike Sly was a strong, living and breathing commissioner. Greg Sankey is a spineless, absent, op, whatever absentee commissioner. Dang. I just, I don't in hard on saying, but I've I've been this my whole, ever since
2: he's had the job, everything he touches, he screws up. Well, I think if, if you're going to blacklist him, you let all these conferences or uh, all these teams know, look, you cannot hire this guy. Like send out a memo, tell everybody what's up. My concern
1: concern is this. Alabama has all these analysts. See, this is why I hate the analyst part. Is, is Alabama has all these analysts. Well, other schools have some analysts, but not enough, and they don't pay them nearly what Alabama pays them. And so Missouri wanted to talk to him. Tennessee wanted to talk to him. Well, if Sankey put the kibosh on those, and Alabama's like, well, we'll talk to him, and we're going to hire him for one of these analyst positions, those other two schools don't have that ability or that flexibility because of their setup, their makeup. They have to answer to presidents. They have to answer to all these other people. And, and they just don't run their school that way that's where I have a problem of all things not being equal. I, I, We need to draw a roll in the sand and say, this is what you can have and this is what you can't have.
2: Yeah, the analyst thing I think does need to be touched on. Um, they, These guys are coaches. No, Nobody I will, I will in the world this. would
1: ever call Hugh Freeze anything other than a coach. He's a damn coach. Agreed. But because you're going to say, well, he's not going to have any contact with the kids, it doesn't matter. He's still a coach. And you're he's still involved in, in, in the, the
2: game plan. Yes. So you're still hiring another coach. The NCAA today did, now they had to table it, but it, it had more to do with the recruiting than analysts. But it is something that they're looking into because at some point there has to be a limit, right? Yes. So like they're tabling this whole thing about how many staff members can actually recruit. Uh, right now I think it's like 30 different staff members can be involved on like recruiting weekends right and they, I, and can, they can they can actually what the contact thing is. Recruit. I
1: just wish it was the, I'm not saying that I have a problem with there being unlimited numbers that's fine but but let's not play this game of semantics yeah. and say well we're just going to call him something different and then no he is he is a he's he's been a head coach he's been a quarterback coach he's been a coordinator he's been all these things if he's going to go backwards he's not going to go to a non
2: coaching position He's not a graduate assistant. Well, here. you you say that, but Steve Sarkeesian was a head coach at USC. I get. It. I didn't and like. He the was Sar- also. I know, but I, know, I didn't I, like that either. But he, he also took that and turned it into an offensive coordinator position at Alabama first, and then in the NFL. So, like, but it's, he, it's, it's the NFL
1: irrelevant. The NFL thing is irrelevant because he would I'm have immediately you. went to the. He would have gotten the NFL gig had he never went to Alabama to be the analyst. You sure? Yes. Yes, know, yes. he man. absolutely would have interviewed for that job, Look, could have interviewed for that job, and still gotten that there job. There is a
2: reason why these guys go to Alabama. It has it turned into coaching rehab. And I don't understand it. I don't necessarily I'd like see, it. See, I
1: disagree with that completely. It's not coaching rehab. He, he gets the benefit of getting these ultra-talented people that have screwed up royally that everybody else says, we're not touching. And Nick says, I'll take them. I'll take anybody. I don't yeah, care. Especially
2: if you've got them in an off-the-field yeah. role. So you, know, you, you can and, pick and the brain therein, and get ideas. Therein
1: lies the the thought process. should I Do I think Nick should be penalized for not taking people that nobody else would take? No, that's not my issue. The Lane Kipton hire I didn't have a problem with. Nobody else would touch him. Nick hires him. Congratulations. No, no big deal. I don't have a problem with that. And I don't have a problem with somebody hiring Hugh. But there is no question that Tennessee wanted Hugh and that Missouri wanted Hugh and they were both told by the SEC, no. Didn't even get an interview with those guys. And it's well, because we don't, we don't know that power- he didn't get. Because Nick is more powerful. Oh no, no, no. We would have I promise you the world would have known if you got an interview. No, you're probably right. All right? Because Nick is more powerful than those two head coaches, he gets to say, "Oh, I'm going to talk to him and I'm going to bring him in." And he's going to make somebody super duper high up say, "No, you can't." And then he's going to put him in this other position that still allows him to be just as valuable as he normally would. But we get to call him something different and they don't control that. That's my that's my problem with the system. This is not Alabama hate. This is not Nick hate. It could be any school in the country. I know LSU has uh, analysts, but but this is this is my problem with the system. It is it is not set up. It is totally set up to where you have the haves and the have-nots, even within the big boys. Agree. Even within the Power Five, we let Ohio State and we let Alabama because of Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. Yeah, If those two guys were at two different schools, they would still be allowed to play by different rules, and Alabama would be made to play by separate rules. I believe that with all of my heart
2: because I've watched it happen. Kevin Sumlin was hired at the University of Arizona. It's a good hire. Now, they fired Rich Rodriguez. Does this move surprise you at all that someone jumped in this quick? Oh, no, 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 no. You I think, think he just really, really wanted to be hire. a head coach?
1: No, no, no. He wanted to be a head coach. He deserved to be a head coach. He absolutely deserves to be a head coach. I don't know that he should have been fired. I think
2: that Arizona made a better hire than Arizona State did. Oh, oh. <laughs> and Arizona State had a, a big-time jump on him. Yeah, this is no question.
1: No question in my eyes. No question this is a better hire. <laughs>
2: All right, the uh, The University of Memphis football team has what appears to be their new starting quarterback for the 2018 football season. His name is Brady White. He's a grad transfer from Arizona State. Uh, this was the number 68 overall player in the class of 2015. How bananas is that? He was recruited by Mike Norvell to Arizona State. There are now three kids named Brady at the quarterback position at Memphis. That's, that's a pretty good name. Yep, Brady White, who we just mentioned. Brady Davis, who was the third-string quarterback this past season and Brady McBride a three-star quarterback from Texas who is in this year's recruiting class. Uh have you seen this kid? Yeah, we saw it yesterday. This is an attractive dude. Yeah, he's a good-looking man. No, and I showed the picture to my wife and I yep. said good gracious, can you imagine what this kid's going to be like on this campus? Yeah. So he he looks like he should be on like the Disney channel or something. Co-eds right. in Memphis are going to absolutely eat this dude alive. And and you were talking earlier about the talent that's in Arizona, Arizona State. State. Hey, look, look he, I understand. He,
1: he left. He left a place with some pretty strong talent.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, <laughs> Rick said, just like the Pats, he's talking about the Alabama stuff, I know. the haves and the have-nots. Um, they all
1: play by the same rules in, in, the, in the NFL. Hard, hard salary cap.
2: Well, I mean, they kind of got a salary cap in college. Oh, right? that's, <laughs> so, that's such bull. That is such bull. All right, let's talk about Tubby Smith for just a second. Uh, Positively about Tubby uh, Smith. Positive about Tubby, but then I'm going to talk about something else too. Okay. Tubby Smith and the Memphis Tigers beat UConn last night, seventy-three to forty-nine. Uh, it was their fourth straight American Conference win. Uh, did you realize that that has never been done at Memphis? They won four in a straight and four, four straight in conference and uh, in, in the American. In conference. the American. I was about to say. So it's cow, neither. neither cow Josh Passner. Yeah, neither Josh Passner nor Tubby Smith has ever won four straight in conference. Now we can talk Memphis and what Tubby's been able to do with this roster so far and whatnot. They've got a stretch in February that's going to show you exactly what they're made of because they got Wichita State and Cincinnati and Tulsa and like all the all this different the, the great teams, right? Yeah. Um, and so so you'll have to wait till February to figure out exactly what they are. But let's talk about UConn coach Kevin Ollie, right? This dude was an absolute superstar. He was rumored for a bunch of NBA jobs after he won a national championship in his second season. Let's look at what he's done overall. He's 123 and 68. That's a sixty four point four percent winning percentage. He's only fifty five and forty in conference play in six years. And he has only made the NCAA tournament twice in five seasons, and it doesn't look like he's gonna make it into sixth. Yeah,
1: I was about to say he's probably not gonna
2: make it this year. He went sixteen and seventeen last year. Not a lot of that's because of injuries and whatnot. Um and he's ten and seven this year. Is UConn okay with mediocrity? I don't think so. I mean that that basketball program was absolutely rolling under Jim Calhoun. Yeah. It, he ended up getting busted for NCAA violations, and he retired. Um, they had a postseason ban in Ollie's first year, but I mean they went twenty and ten. I, they, they were on the bubble, one way or the other. Um, he won the national championship in his second season as a seven seed. At what point are they going to look to hire somebody else? I bet, I'm I'm
1: quite certain he's on the hot seat now. I mean, he's, he's got to be, right? Yeah. Like, how how much— I don't follow—I mean, I preface this by saying I don't follow college basketball very closely anyway. But if you I look at this the
2: same way that you look at college football, then yeah. then look at it that way. That's right. Oh, yeah, I'm smart enough
1: to know that I, these colleges don't like mediocrity. They don't like losing. No. So— And that's
2: that's where I'm getting at on this. You lose is, to
1: a guy that's been trashed and bashed and has absolutely no quote-unquote— talent as opposed to recruiting levels and things like that. And Tubby Smith and this Memphis team, that's not good. Now, the the fun thing is you can
2: always say that Tubby Smith is a hell of a coach, right? But you he You can is. always say that. He
1: absolutely is. And we, we talked about that when he got hired on. It was going to take a while because he had to get his kind
2: of kids in. But losing by 24 to this Memphis team. Oh, that's bad. Is not a good thing. That's bad. Not a good thing. We don't have a single player that's going to play in the league. We don't have many that could play in the G League. All right, before we get into uh, the NFL stuff, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee has a new chairperson. His name is Rob Mullins, the Athletics Director at Oregon. A confident young man, a superb athlete. He replaces Texas Tech AD Kirby Hokut, whose two-year term is expiring February 1st. There are other new faces on the committee. Oklahoma AD Joe Castiglione. Former journalist, current journalism professor, Paola Boivin. I'm hoping I said that right. I'm certain that's probably wrong. Probably wrong. Former <laughs> Rice, Clemson, Arkansas, and Air Force head coach, Ken Hatfield. We know him from having uh, Barney Farrar on the staff with him at multiple places. College and NFL Hall of Famer, Ronnie Lott. Georgia Tech AD, Todd Stansberry. And Florida Athletic Director, Scott Strickland. Uh, here are the, uh, the members that are leaving after February, along with Hokut. They are Clemson AD Dan uh, Radakovich. Probably said that wrong, too. Former Arkansas AD Jeff Long. Former NCAA executive Tom Jernstedt. Former Stanford, Notre Dame, and Washington head coach Tyrone Willingham. Former Vandy head coach Bobby Johnson. And former journalist Steve Weiberg. This brings the committee back to a dozen voters, along with Mullen. Now They were down one because of a chairperson stepping down in the middle of last season. Does this change Anything at all? I I don't know any of these people are. No. I don't think it does either. No. I don't, you, I'm don't. i going to tell you this.
1: The powers that be that control big boy college football are not the 12 people in that room. And it's I ESPN. Think, and I think those people are told what to do.
2: I think it's ESPN. Yeah. I, I 100% think that's it.
1: And they might not be told what to do directly. It could be a lot of indirectly. <clears throat> Years ago, there was – golly, this is probably – seven or eight years ago, uh, I I was watching ESPN and there was this either SI article or ESPN article that, that talked about power in sports and like, who are the most powerful people in sports? Yeah. And, and one of the group of people were the group of people on college game day. And like, you had a lot of like presidents like Fox sports president, and, and the president of ESPN and and like people that run these sports media industries, yeah the president of si but no like one of the highest ones up there were the the college game day goods and the reason they were so high up is is they actually control rankings yes if they say over and over and over again a team is supposed to be good, sports writers and other coaching polls, and all of these ways that, that we vote on these guys and who's good and who's not, listen to them. Yeah. And if they continually tell you, this team's better than this team, this team's better than this team, then then they are telling the world what the rankings should be. And if a ranking comes out that's different than them, they'll call it out and say it's wrong. But they have such a platform in such well, a, I mean, they a average base of fans, over
2: two million people yeah. watching per show. It, it, like every college football right. fan, when turns they, on their TV and watches that right off the even bat. Even if you don't watch it
1: live, you you're watching it throughout the week, and you get the clip of Herbie saying this team's supposed to be this, and Fowler yeah. all those times saying this guy's supposed to be here, and this guy's supposed to be here, and all this other stuff. They control the outcome of rankings. I think that's indirectly. I don't think that's manipulated. I don't think they're they're trying to do anything. But those guys tell the committee what's supposed to happen. And I think the committee listens to them. I think you're probably right. I'm not, as much as I like that show, and I love listening to those guys, I wish there was a way to take their voice out of it. And let people independently watch these games without any other influence.
2: I mean, that's not possible. Well, you remember FS1 had a um, FS1 had a morning show they that was trying to, go to compete against with it, yeah. And it it had what Clay Travis and yeah. Robert Smith and somebody else on it, but it 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 still a lot of it would have been the same narrative, I think. Yeah. So it, it, now, obviously, a lot of it has to do with tie-ins, right? But if you've ever sat and watched College Game Day. They are not biased to a nope. particular conference. Nope. I, I don't I don't believe they're bi- I think all those guys are
1: great at what they do. I absolutely don't think there's any manipulation in there. I think Herbie, being the Buckeye alum, you know, played there and all that stuff, I think he does an unbelievable this is a guy that hates Ohio State. Thinks I think he does a very good job of separating his fandom from what he really believes in things. Yes. And and I have a strong appreciation for that. I don't think it's their fault, but I'm. I don't but know they have how to, such a huge
2: platform. I think, that they it's have, impossible I think they're to get so
1: good at what they do. People listen to them, and and they they don't watch the game for themselves so much. Or yeah. they watch the game with this skew that well, this team is supposed to be better than this team. Yeah, and so if they lose, something had to happen that that's not right, or there there's some anomaly in here that we're not factoring in. Yes. And and you start making excuses and whatnot. And
2: I don't know, man. I I don't know that those twelve people in that room matter. I think you're probably right. That's it I saw the it was an interesting topic to hit on because of all the changeover, but at the same time I saw it and went, None of this matters. Nope. Doesn't matter the conference affiliation. Doesn't matter that Ronnie Light's coming in, doesn't matter that so and so's leaving. Like it's going to be the same thing every time, no matter what. Because when it gets down to that last Saturday, yep. like the rankings the whole rest of the time can be fine. But they have shown you that they can change whatever they want to change at the last minute for no reason. Sure. Absolutely no reason. All right, you know what time it is. Uh, let's talk some NFL. Let's get ready to rumble! NFL playoffs talk, baby. Let's do this. All right, first off, Todd Haley is out as the offensive coordinator with the Steelers. Does this surprise you at all? Yes. I was surprised as well. Yes. Now tell me this other part. And I completely disagree with it too. Should Mike Tomlin be on the hot seat next season?
1: Oh, hell yeah. You think so? Yeah, hell yeah. I watched the way he I watched the way he coached the last three minutes of that ballgame. That's a fireable offense. He works for the most stable organization on the planet. Yes. Which is why he's not getting fired. But that's not the only reason why he's not getting fired.
2: Well, it's because they don't believe in firing people like, like- but, but a, I'm going to tell you
1: decision. this. That's a fireable offense. You cannot blame the offensive coordinator who put up 42 points against one of the best defenses in the country, and you lost that game? Why didn't you fire the defensive coordinator? Agreed. That's what I want to know. Oh, Mike Tomlin, you coach on the defensive side of the ball. You were the defensive coordinator that got the head coach and job. You're supposed to be good at this part and overlook that guy. You could
2: overrule that guy. The offense has... Always been good. The offense is what has won games for them. The fact that Since they gave Tomlin up. Since took over, the fact that they gave up forty five points to, to the Jags is, is an absolute travesty. It it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Um, the Jets fired their offensive coordinator. That doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise you? No. That's. I I think they've got a good head coach there. Oh no, I th- I do think he's a good coach. God, what he did this year.
1: I'm going to tell you this. What's his name? I should know his name. I, I knew his name at the beginning of the season.
2: I don't um, remember. He was
1: he was the defensive coordinator from Arizona when he came over, and when that when Arizona had that super elite defense, and they never got back to good after he left. No. anyway. way. Um, but him and the coach at the Bills, those guys are Sean good. McVay. No, Sean McDermott.
2: McVay, oh, McVay, is, is, McVay in is in L.A. LA. Yeah, it's because yeah. two Sean's. Yeah. Jumping in at the same time. Got, got a
1: lot of got a lot of Sean's of the head coach. Yeah, coach. no. Um, but anyway I can't remember I can't remember his name. But anyway, both those guys have done a really good job. I expected both
2: those teams to be garbage. Yeah. The people they were, were thinking the but.
1: Jets were gonna not win a game all
2: year. And instead they, and they won win. like six. Yeah. It's pretty insane.
1: That's, a, that's unbelievable. And then and then what the Bills did, they well, made and, the playoffs. And the
2: Jets fans are so mad right now because like the place that you don't want to be no, is no, the no, middle no, of the I, pack. This is not the NBA.
1: That's bull. That's total bull. People go you. from the middle of the pack to the playoffs all the time. Well, it's got you, a lot to do
2: with scheduling. You and, don't and want to be at draft. the bottom.
1: I disagree with that. The draft in the NFL doesn't matter nearly as much as well because any you will
2: sport. always be able to find an impact player no matter what position you were drafting. Period. And look at the Steelers player, last year. With one T.J. player Watt.
1: cannot change a draft. Exactly. One player cannot change a team. Well. All right, not one player
2: now. Carson Wentz with the Eagles. Well, quarterback, a quarterback,
1: a quarterback, quarterback can, yes. But at at no other point in the the game can you get a player. They could be the best at what they do outside of quarterback. They cannot make your team win.
2: I think that's what the Jets want, though, right? They want a quarterback. Josh yeah, McCown is not going to be your is, quarterback.
1: We're seeing now. This was the year that you didn't. You ain't tanking for one of these guys. I think you're probably right. We might be wrong when we look back on this, because I've been wrong a lot on quarterbacks, but you're not tanking for one of these guys.
2: You you wouldn't think that people would tank for like Mitch Trubisky or for uh Carson Wentz at the time because we didn't oh, no, know much I, about him. I'm it. the
1: Browns guy. I wanted them to trade that
2: pick. Yeah, I didn't I, know. I, didn't,
1: I, didn't, I was wrong. I was dead ass wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh two oh five PM Central Time on Sunday. Uh, it'll be noon where you are i'll be in, yeah i'll be cbs the jags are plus 9 at the patriots at, look tom brady missed part of practice today cuz oh he hurt his God. hand that so can can you say brian hoyer afc championship mvp no no
1: <laughs> i cannot say that i will not say that they could cut his hand off tommy's playing his game I don't know who who hurt his hand. I don't know how it hurt. That guy's going up in Cleveland. next Was year. it the throwing hand? Yes, it's his right hand. Oh my god, that guy's going up in Cleveland. They haven't released what happened. I know this. He spent half of practice in the training room because of his hand. That's not a good thing. Especially not against the Jags. We'll be okay. We'll be all right. Be okay, right. we'll be okay. I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not happy about it.
2: How do you feel about this game?
1: Well, before today, I felt great.
2: Do you think that they will cover the nine? Oh yeah. All right, so you think the Pats cover the nine? Yeah. I'm taking the Jags plus
1: nine. You can do that. Let me tell you. Let me let me break this game down and tell you why. Because there's actually logic and not just fandom. Okay. Okay. Because I've been to I've me. been very honest about my Patriots. I, yeah. I, I told you earlier in the year, take the Bills and the point. I was like, so anyway, let me tell you why I think the Pats are going to blow them out. I was actually a little nervous about the Titans because Derrick Henry is such a beast. And, yeah. And they've been so bad against the run. Bill made it abundantly clear
2: they are we're, not going to be just running the football.
1: We're going to shut Derek down, and I thought this. Well, he's going to try to, but we don't have the dudes to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> you got the we, dudes. F- we figure it out. Bill's going to shut it him was down. All if Bill shuts down, if the if the Steelers take out Leonard Fournette, Blake Broyles does not do anywhere close to what Blake did. Yeah, Blake was able to do anything he wanted because Leonard Fournette gashed the hell out of his team. Well, and it
2: wasn't just Fournette. It was everybody. Oh, yeah, everybody. T.J. Yeldon did
1: the same thing. Yeah. Gashed him seven, eight yards a touch, ton of touchdowns, all this stuff. Well, and Bortles ran for
2: God knows how many yards. But
1: he's able to run for those yards, and he's able to throw for those yards strictly because the every, safeties had to everybody's be in the box. playing the run. Bill is going to stop the run. He's going to do exactly what he did to Mariota. I'm going to make Marcus beat me. He's going to make Blake beat him. The difference is this. I'm more afraid of Marcus than I am Blake. If I'm going to say a quarterback I agree with has that to 100%. beat you. I think Marcus is more dangerous. What we did to the Titans, I think is going to happen to the Jags. You that's, might be right. that's that's my only logic and reasoning. I think the Titans are better than Jacksonville offensively. And so offensively I think they get Almost nothing. 14 points max. I was very afraid of the Jacksonville defense the first half of the Steelers game. By the second half when the Steelers put up 42 points, I think the Patriots yeah. will have no problem scoring at least 25-30. you probably right. And I do not. Blake had a Blake game of his life. This is not bashing him. He needs to get credit for that. But to ask somebody to do something they've never done in their life two weeks in a row and the second time he does it, he's going to be doing it against the best defensive mind on the planet.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with I just
1: can't see that happening.
2: I'm trying to look up Blake's numbers from last week. Oh, pretty incredible. And not just rushing, throwing the ball. Pretty incredible. 14 out of 26 for 214 yards and one touchdown, and he ran five times for 35 yards. Leonard Fournette had twenty five rushes for 109 yards and three touchdowns. Um, I will say this. He had eighty two yards in the first quarter. Yep. But that's what put the game. It's a, yeah, it's, it's what it's If what he doesn't the game. do
1: that, the Steelers win by fourteen.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: There therein lies my problem with with thinking the Jags can repeat what they did.
2: Yeah, it's almost impossible.
1: If the Jags win this game or if they cover, it is because that defense shuts the Patriots down, which they're they're not above doing that. Could absolutely happen, but you're gonna end up with like a a nine to twelve ball game, nine to seventeen ball game. You're not gonna have.
2: Yeah, you're probably you're, right. This
1: game, the Jags will not win a 40 ball game. No, that's, will that's not, not happening. Will not happen. So you you can bet whatever you want to bet. I think the safest bet in this is going to be the under. Yeah, you're probably right. I think right. it's, what, 45, something like that, 46. Yeah, I think
2: it's 40, 46 and a half, so, if I'm not Trying mistaken. to get
1: my six bets in, I'll be playing the Pats. I'll be playing the under. I'll probably parlay them. I'll probably tease them.
2: <laughs> all that good. I stuff. gotta get six in, man. I gotta get six. In. Well, you you still got all all sorts of props. I know. I know. Yeah, but you probably but don't like, want to bet props on. Uh, I'm not gonna bet too many props. But well, just don't bet props on New England because we never know who's gonna get the ball. Oh no no. Oh no. You know, I'd probably you go bet. under on whatever Blake Bortles passing uh, yards should be.
1: Let me tell you the prop you do bet is you say Brandon Bolden the first to score or something of that nature. You pick an obscure dude that hadn't scored all year.
2: Well, and Bolden say, had what three touchdowns against the uh, the Titans?
1: Yeah, but I'm just saying, like that's that's the prop you make. You're not going to find it on there because they just don't have many props. Oh, do they? Oh, I yeah, it's Bavada found... that's got. Yeah, uh... Bavada's the one that's got all the props.
2: All right, all right. So we'll, but anyway, we'll worry about. And Bavada I don't know that I don't. I'll be whatever the
1: Westgate has is what I'll be betting.
2: The Westgate. God bless the Westgate, man. I love the Westgate. I've never I, been there.
1: never darken the doors.
2: You, I can't wait. Caesar's also has a really good one, by the way. You need to I've check been, out in, I've Caesars. been
1: in Caesar's. I've walked through Caesar's during like a college, a random college basketball.
2: Yeah. See, so you need to, you need to check out. Like, well, you're not going to be able to check it out during a football game, but obviously, we'll get there. I
1: got a plan. I got a home. I'm glad you got a plan. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a base. But that's, that's my thought process for the game. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, I think they got to shut down Leonard. I think he's the crux of it all.
2: I think they will probably be able to do that. Probably. Now I'm going to try and pull up the uh, the thing while we're talking about this. Uh, Tell me this. Okay. 5.40 p.m. Central Time on Fox. It'll be 3.40 your time in Vegas in heaven. (laughs) Pretty nice. Uh, On Fox, the Vikings minus 3.5 at the Eagles. Is this going to be a big time failing if the Vikings don't get to the Super Bowl? since Carson Wentz is out?
1: Yeah, I think.
0: I, I mean, think if, if be...
2: you lose to Nick Foles in the playoffs, think when you've made pretty it pretty this huge. far, like, it's got to be – you it's it's win or nothing, right? Like it, bigger, it,
1: bigger disappointment. I sent you this meme earlier. Bigger disappointment. Blowing a 25-point lead to the Patriots, the best team on the planet in the Super Bowl, or losing the playoff game to Nick Foles.
2: Atlanta? I'm going to go with the 25 points. Well, yeah, because that just – that's pretty because it, one, like it's it's the Super Bowl. Two, you got a twenty five point lead with seventeen minutes left. Um, I mean, there's a lot to this, right? But you just let Blake Broyles keep you. I mean, not Blake Broyles. You, you just let Nick
1: Foles Nick Foles keep you from getting to another NFC Championship game, or getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah, or getting to the Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, I mean I...
2: That, you got to go home and say,
1: how the hell did this happen?
2: Yeah, especially after what happened with uh, Stephon Diggs last week. And
1: how bad he played. Like, it wasn't like Foles came out and played great. This was the Foles we all thought we were going to see. Now, you're right.
2: You're right about that. They do not have a prop up yet. for Not yet. Well, the Westgate will have them all. Yeah, Westgate will have every one of
1: them. Saturday, before we go to the show, Saturday, my goal is to go hit the sports book, get all my bets in Saturday because everything I've read – about and talked to said, if you show up Sunday, if you're not too three gonna take you forever. before the game, the line's out the door to try to get to the ticket booth. I'm I'm interested in showing up Sunday, relaxed, even keel. Ready to chill. I'm ready. I'm ready for game day.
2: I like that. I like that. Uh, we'll go on and say this. Thank you to everybody tuning in on Facebook. We got some first time viewers. We appreciate yeah. you guys. Don't forget to go and check out the podcast on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, tune in, Google Play, all that good stuff. Subscribe, tell all your buddies about it, share it out. Uh Chris, tell me this. Do you know what the last NFL team to make a Super Bowl in their home stadium was?
1: Well, yeah, so so this has been talked about all year, and that's kind of the mantra of the, the, Vikings, the Vikings, which is you know, bring it home.
2: And and there are I'm telling you, there are a lot of people this was the one of the worst matchup decisions was the Jags and the Patriots for ticket brokers. Because the Patriots have been there so many times. That's right. And the Jags don't have that much of a fan base, right? No. So they wanted maybe Falcons, but that's probably not your best bet. Um really they want like they want the Eagles or the Vikings. Really the Vikings is what they're yeah. hoping for. Um and they wanted either Pittsburgh or oh God, what was the other team? Um The Bills, the Chiefs? Bills. Bills yeah, Chiefs, venues. Chiefs, Bills or Chiefs.
1: So, so I, I don't think any of this matters. I think eighty percent of the Super Bowl tickets are all corporate. I think it's an event. I think you go no matter who the teams. Well, but are. for the
2: for the brokers, I think that's the biggest thing. Oh, it's because yeah, you're you, you, about like
1: aftermarket ticket yes. guys. Well, screw those guys. Those guys are <laughs> sharks anyway. <laughs> Nobody's crying a river for some bust ass off record ticket brokers that are trying to gouge you for five thousand dollars a ticket for fans okay. that want to
2: go watch the team. I'd push
1: play. that guy out a window too. You know, line him up. So, that that I'm not worried about. Give me your picks. Oh, you talking about the home field. Uh home I know field. I know the 49ers see this is one of those things I think is kind of dumb. We'll talk about this in a minute. Home field? I know the 49ers played in Candlestick Park and I know there was Well no, they a, they didn't play in Candlestick. Oh no, they but they played, they played in, San in Stanford Stadium. Yeah.
2: In Palo Alto. Yeah. And then and Which, then How crazy a, is that?
1: When there a Florida team,
2: the Dolphins played that year. Uh, well no, I'm talking no. about the only other one was the Los, An- the, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the they Rose played Bowl. in Super Bowl 14. They played in the Rose Bowl, not yep. the Memorial Coliseum. Yep. This was after the 79 season. The uh the 49ers was after the 84 season.
1: I think the at their home stadium is is a made-up story. It's fake news. Like that's dumb. If if let's say let's say there was a second football stadium in Nashville. Okay. If Tennessee made it, the Titans made it to the Super Bowl, and they were hosting it in the other stadium in Nashville. Would it change anything about how crazy the stadium, the city is? No, no. So the fact that they're playing at the same place, they play all their home games is completely irrelevant. They're in the same area. It's still going to get all the same. So I think that's a made up story. I do think it's an awesome story that they get a chance to do it, but don't try to claim this is the first time it's ever happened. In like years ago, the the Red Sox won like their th- and I'm not kidding. It was like their third World Series that they won after breaking the curse. Okay, and it was the first one they actually closed the game out in Fenway. Yeah, and they were like, "It's been 183 years since this has happened." I'm thinking, you don't get to in a sport where you play a back and forth <laughs> series. This is my team, but I'm I'm smart enough to realize. This is a totally made up story. Yeah, and my problem with that is this: there are enough really good storylines that sports writers don't need to make up bullcrap stories to make their job easier. I agree. Right now, you're in the balls deep of the. Pla- if if you're a, and this is one thing that I kind of think a lot of people are missing. If if you're middle of the road, you don't have a team to pull for. I think this Viking story is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But the last thing is, is if you're not, let's say you're not a big football fan, but you're one of, man, I don't, you're, you're, you're very supportive and inclusive about what's going on in our country and all this stuff. Right. You've got a, you've got a Muslim owner that has a team. In the AFC Championship game. It's a pretty big deal. And that's a—I think that's a big deal, man. I think that there are people out there that should be like, you know what, let's, let's ride this team. This is a bastard team anyway. Nobody likes the Jags. They don't have fans. Let's jump on their bandwagon. And they're playing the most hated team in the country, so you've got a little pump from that. Get behind some of these things. I'm pro-excitement in football because I love this sport. I don't think it should be made up from just the kings and queens. I think there are good stories everywhere. And and if I was on the NFC side, I'd be rooting for the Vikings. And if I didn't have a dog in the fight and I was on the AFC side, I'd be rooting for the Jags.
2: Yeah. And you draw a line in the sand, you say, let's go, man. This is my team for today. I wouldn't be – I'm not rooting for the Vikings because they will be playing at home. No. I'm rooting for the Vikings because they haven't made it in forever. Well, I – I – I kind they of worship so near the feet of
1: Mike Zimmer. I think that guy's a genius. I know you do. The one year the Browns decided to hold Pat and not fire their coach after one season, Mike Zimmer was getting the job, and he, he was at Cincinnati. He was already in Ohio, and that was a pretty natural progression, and we
2: missed out. It is what it is. So All I right. love Mike if you uh, If you missed Dr. Ridpath on with us earlier, go back and listen to it. The podcast will be up on iTunes uh, for for Thursday. Um, yeah, I think that's going to wrap this thing up. I'll talk to you next week, brother. I hope you have fun in Vegas, buddy. I'm going to have a blast. All right. That's it. Winning cures everything. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter at winningcures. You can follow myself at GaryWCE.
1: You follow me at Chris Gianini C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I.
2: You can also email the show. That's Everything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line.